welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Diversity Club, the podcast that shares the stories of immigrants that have relocated to Australia. My name is Basil Mawuza. To begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which we record our podcast. I would like to pay my respects to their elders, both past and present. Indeed, I would like to acknowledge all the traditional custodians of the lands upon which immigrants have come to call home. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's cracker of an episode. We have a special guest. His name is Tarun, who will be helping me to make a big announcement at the end of the show. That announcement could potentially have a material impact on the lives of people that are listening to this show. Now, to start us off, Tarun, can you share with us a fond memory of your homeland? Firstly, Basil, thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. I'm happy to be here. In terms of fond memories from the country I come, we have way too many, but one in particular that stands out is a Sunday morning drive to the national park with my family or friends and trying to spot lions and rhinos and the African buffaloes. So it's something that I miss dearly. That's a Sunday drive that I'd also want to be in on. By saying that you were trying to spot the big five Tarun, one can tell that you are African. But for the sake of our listeners, can you please tell them the country and town which you are from? So I'm from Nairobi, Kenya, born and bred Kenyan. Tarun, may you please just give us a background of uh, what you were doing in Kenya before your diversity story started? Sure. So basically, as I said, I was born in Kenya. I've lived there for about majority of my life. I studied there all my life and I moved on to South Africa for my undergraduate degree. So after that, I came back to Kenya where I was working for a hotel. I was an accountant assistant there and also helping with my family business. You are a young man with a tertiary education from one of the top universities in Africa. You come back home to a good job working in a hotel and you also have a family business which you are contributing to. Explain to us, how did the idea of leaving all of that behind come about? And also, how was it Australia became the destination of choice? Uh, Good question, Basil. Now that you've put it in that way, it seems like I shouldn't have left Kenya. (laughs) (laughs) But the reason why it came up was, so whilst I was working at the hotel, uh, I came across an incident where I met the CEO of the company on one fine afternoon. And we happened to have a small chat and one phrase in particular stuck in my head that prompted me to migrate for further education into Australia. So whilst I was working in the accounts department, uh, the CEO mentioned that finance is the backbone for any business. Even though each business has its own unique competitive advantage, finance remains the backbone of each business. So then I for some reason it got stuck in my head and I wanted to make sure that I capitalized on what he said. And I went back home, I was speaking to my dad about it and he's like, you know what, why don't you think about studying further? So I decided to then look into different universities and having my sister lived in Sydney, she suggested I should come here and look into uh, studying here further. So I applied for my MBA in finance and investment in Australia and that prompted me to migrate here. That is one thing you realize immediately when you go onto the internet and you look up Australian tertiary education. It is of a world-class standard. Now, Tarun, you mentioned that your dad had suggested and supported you coming here. 
How did the rest of your family take your relocation? So my mom wasn't very happy at first because I already stayed away from home whilst I was in South Africa for my undergraduate. But yeah. they're very supportive of academic aspirations. So they yeah. knew I was going for a good, great reason. And they're yeah. all very supportive. And as you know, Basil, um, Australia is a very expensive country to gain tertiary yeah. education. So my parents not only supported me emotionally, they were able to financially support me throughout my education. So I'm very grateful for their support. When you came, did you have any family or friends that were already in Australia? Yeah, I was very fortunate. I had two of my very close friends, Rahul and Hirsch, in Australia. My sister was also here in Australia. So my transition was pretty smooth for me to come into the country. What was your first impression of Australia? Fresh off the plane, right off the bat. Look, I don't have a common answer for this. Many people would say the generic <laughs> version. But yeah. having lived in Africa all my life, the first thing that hit me was the sense of security in, in Australia. You know, you come off, there are no big walls, there are no big gates, there are no watchmen <laughs> yeah. standing outside your properties. So yes. that was one very unique aspect that I picked up. Everyone's houses were kind of open. You can just straightly walk into the door. And sense of security, not only in terms of your life, in terms of being at work, you know, they take workplace health and safety very seriously. So that was something that I realized that was very, very unique to me, Mike. It was a cultural shock, basically. (laughs) You know, that is one thing that you notice immediately when you get here, the sense and feeling of uh, security. You know, I've had jobs where I finish at uh, 10 p.m. and I'm able to walk home without having to worry about security. And that speaks to what you mentioned, that the the yards here have got low walls and uh, we are not used to that. Our walls yeah. had electric fences on them, so no one could jump e- Exactly. Not seeing that here made me feel, you know, safe and secure. One of the things that scared me when I got here was my neighbors had these very low fences, but they had horses for dogs. and But for some reason those dogs would never jump the fence. And that was very unnerving. I've had similar experiences, I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So that was your first impression. How did you then transition into your very first month here? So basically, as soon as I landed, um, two days into it, I was into university. So I didn't have much time to experience a lot about Australia or the culture or the localities. However, with time in terms of my first month and first year, I started traveling around and I've experienced a lot of unique aspects that I appreciate more coming from Kenya and having lived in South Africa as well was service provision, firstly, you know, in terms of COVID vaccines, things were given for free of charge here in terms of healthcare, our roads. So that transition became something that I was more grateful because it was easier for me. Also, economic prosperity and career opportunities. Having seen all this, I was very, you know, my transition became natural. I was going from one one aspect to another aspect. Mm -hmm. So, again, I said, I can't complain. I know many immigrants may not be able to resonate with what I'm saying, (laughs) but I've been grateful of the opportunities that have come by. One of the things I've noticed about you, Tarun, is that you have a very positive outlook on life. And if you work with the law of attraction, you definitely draw what you give out. And that explains the experiences that you you have had. Now, Tarun, can you walk us through how you then transitioned 
from the Tarun who had recently arrived to Australia to the Tarun that is here talking to us today? Sure. So basically, Basil, I've always had a targeted approach or a singular-minded focus, which sometimes might not seen as a good aspect, but I left Kenya yeah. with that one phrase in my mind. Finance is yeah. the backbone of every business. Yeah. When I came yeah. to study, I wanted to make sure that all I did was study. So, you know, that's yeah. exactly what I did throughout my good. two years. Studied, studied, studied. Good. Once I graduated, all I was looking was how can I capitalize on that education? education. So yes. All of that singular mindless focus and my vision to, you know, capitalize on that one phrase helped me transition through migrating into Australia, studying successfully in Australia, and now securing employment opportunity in Australia. So it has been really helpful for my personal transition. You were and you are an accountant. How did you end up becoming a case manager for ROA? I was in the hospitality industry back in Kenya. And yeah, yeah. then I moved forward to come into studying finance here, being an accountant. So I've had a good mix and diverse experiences. Yes. But what led me to this opportunity of being a case manager for Regional, Regional Opportunities Australia was that during the last semester of my uh, master's degree, we were offered to do an internship. So I got lucky. I was offered an uh, internship with this very organization. Yeah. And at the time, uh, the CEO of the company, uh, Mahir Moment, he, he comes from a finance background as well. So we really hit it off during the interview stage. And he believed that not only would I be able to do case management, but I'll also be able to help with the background aspects of the social enterprise, which I took as a challenge. Again, I said yes. that phrase came to my mind. Finance yeah. is the backbone of every organization. Now for profitable companies, it's very easy for you to basically understand their numbers or their finances. Well, but when it comes to NGOs or not-for-profit organizations, there's a different challenge. There's a different aspect that comes into you know, social enterprises' That's finances. So I was yeah. also able to be a case manager, but I was also yeah. able to teach myself a lot about how a social enterprise teach, uh, uses its finances. That was definitely inspired discernment on the part of my hair in terms of seeing a quality that was within you that you might not have seen or even one that you might not have valued. And speaking as a client, I definitely wouldn't entrust my livelihood in the hands of too many people, but you are one of those select few and you've definitely had a very positive impact on my life within Australia. I can't take all the credit, Basil. You're a highly qualified person yourself and you're very motivated. So I think I did very little when it came to your aspect. Now, listeners, you see why Tarun is such a good case manager. He is good at stroking the egos of his clients. <laughs> Now, Tarun, you mentioned that you had a softer landing than most because your sister and your friends were here. And in addition to that, you got a job with the organization that you had interned for. But the reality is you still had challenges. Can you share with us what those obstacles were and how you overcame them? Uh, so one of the toughest obstacles would be, I think, understanding Australian work culture it's not similar to what you may think it may have been back at home. So when we come with the countries we've come from or the previous managers that I've worked for have been more authoritative, you know, it's like a top to bottom approach. And yes. whereas coming to Australia, it's not the toughest challenge, but you know, maneuvering your way around it, it was something that 
I was not used to. And it was one challenge in terms of, you know, settling yourself into a workplace. Another yeah. challenge I would say, besides my professional career, would be living away from family. That's not the yeah. easiest aspect. We may, we may see all mm. the goods that Australia hold, but living away from family would be one of the toughest challenges. That is true, Tarun. Very, very true. And speaking of which, how are your relationships with your friends and family back home? And how often have you been able to communicate with them as well as to see them? And how do you see things going forward, particularly now that we are in the throes of COVID, more so for you being in a city that is currently going through uh, all these different types of lockdown and restrictions? How do you see that playing out as far as family is concerned? Pre-COVID, I used to visit home every year, be it in South Africa when I was here, because family is an important aspect of my life. But now that COVID, as you said, is in the mix, it doesn't look like I'll be able to travel home anytime soon. So the best we can do is now speak to my parents and my friends over the phone. And that is very regular. Every day, every now and then, I'm speaking to my parents, either FaceTiming them or, you know, uh, my friends, you're having group chats. So... I communicate quite often. Uh, the time difference may be a little bit of a challenge, but I regularly communicate with my family and friends back home. What are your plans for the future? Do you see yourself retiring out to the Australian beaches? I know some of them will definitely remind you of the beautiful beaches of uh, Mombasa. Or do you plan on uh, going back home and uh, seeing out the rest of your life there? Basil, you're bringing back all the good memories when you say my <laughs> You spent a lot of time there. Look, um, for the future in the short term to medium term, I'll definitely want to be in Australia where I can learn a great deal from the corporates here. Mm-hmm. However, in the long term, you know, they say live and die in Africa. So uh, <laughs> I want to make sure that during my retirement, I'm in a relaxed yeah. country like Kenya perhaps somewhere yes. more relaxed like Mombasa, as you've said. <laughs> and uh, I want to also give back to the community. So I think Kenyans, majority of them are living under poverty lines. So I believe when I go back, one, my money would go far. My experience would go even further to give back. So in terms of retirement, most definitely live and die in Africa. My Absolutely friend. live and die in Africa for sure. And it is very comforting to hear someone like you, given the nature of both your job as well as the organization that you're with, commit to giving back to Africa. That is something that will definitely have a very positive impact on both Kenya and the continent as a whole. Now, Tarun, you've been in Australia for a while. What have you come to love and enjoy? Cricket. <laughs> the sport Australia holds. Um, look, Australia is a country full of sports, as you may have seen in the Olympics. There's cricket yes. here. There's American football leagues, Australian football leagues going on here. So there are yeah. lots and lots of sports going on here. Yeah. Uh, during my transition from Kenya to South Africa, I lost a lot of sports. I didn't play cricket, which I used to back in Kenya. When yeah. I got back here, every other suburb here <laughs> has a cricket ground or, you know, playground where you can go and be physically active. So yeah. basically, I've come to enjoy the sports. However, in yeah. general, I really appreciate like the climate. I'm not a big fan of cold countries, so I really enjoy the climate in Australia. Tarun, of all the guests I've had on the podcast so far, you are the most qualified to answer the following question, given the nature of your role with ROA, where you assist uh, people that have relocated to Australia find employment. 
Now, assume someone is thinking of coming to Australia or has recently arrived. What advice would you give them? Sure, Basil. So as we've pointed out earlier, I may have had a softer landing, but given my work and my interactions with people in Australia, I believe there are two main aspects I'd like to point out. One, you must have a very good plan and sound financial backing. Australia may, may be a country full of positives, but migration is expensive. So make sure there's sound financial backing and you come with a plan that will help you remain in the country for a long term. And I think both of those could be addressed if you look into regional Australia. Regional Australia will help you both with settling in, cost of living, cost of living, and a less cultural shock, perhaps. So that would be my word of advice. Transition from your country to perhaps a regional Australian city, beautiful cities like Brisbane, and then move yeah. on to like mega cities into Sydney and Melbourne. Thank you, Tarun. That is very solid advice, which segues very nicely into the big announcement for the episode and indeed for the entire podcast as a whole. ROA, Regional Opportunities Australia, has graciously accepted to partner up with Diversity Club in our mutual efforts to improve the lives of people that have migrated to Australia. ROA will share all of its exclusive employment opportunities on this podcast every week. Every single vacancy will be read out during the show and all the links to each job will be found in the show notes. Join Tarun and I in the next episode as we discuss ROA, what ROA is, what ROA does and how ROA can play a critical part in your relocation to Australia. So all that is left is for me to thank you, Tarun, for coming onto the show to share your diversity story and journey with us. I am always humbled and motivated by the courage that it takes to share your story, to make yourself vulnerable and open yourself up to the world. And for that, Tarun, thank you, Tatenda Siawonga. Thank you very um, much, Basil. Thank you, Tarun. So we will see you in next week's episode if you have enjoyed the show and you or anyone that you know would like to participate in future episodes please feel free to contact us on info at diversityclub.com.au or on our social media platforms on facebook instagram and twitter and remember you're only limited by what you're exposed to have a good one folks 